So many have gone before me, and I found them faithful. And they're in this very room. I think everyone already knows that I'm a crier. <laughs> but I'm so thankful for the, the investment and the love and the grace shown by so many. And most of all, of our God, full of mercy and love. Would you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1? There's hardly more that I can say to encourage you than what's already been said. But I hope to give you another word of encouragement, another challenge. And at the very least, if I may, give you a, a glimpse at our beautiful Savior. Paul is writing here to the Corinthians from a place that he's very familiar with, from Philippi, actually one of the first places he ever visited in Macedonia. If you remember, he was called of the Lord in a vision to go and to witness to these people who had never heard the gospel before. And it was there in Philippi that he got one of the first tastes of persecution in that area. He cast out a demon from a young woman and was wrongfully charged and thrown in prison along with Silas. And God did a miraculous work. And from there he went to Thessalonica, and there he preached the gospel, but was chased out by the jealous Jews. And they chased him from city to city from that point throughout the, the area. And, and Corinth is located in Achaia, just, just south of there. And so he's writing here, and if you look in verse 8 here, we get a glimpse at what Paul's life has been up to this point. Philippi is simply one example. He says in verse 8, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that as we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. This was, this is such a great picture of everything that Paul has suffered his whole life. Since he began preaching the gospel from his conversion when Jesus uh, appeared to him on the road to Damascus, Paul faced roadblock after roadblock, persecution after persecution, trying to stop him from doing what God had called him to do. And, and now the, the Corinthians were facing those very, ten, those very same persecutions. And so he writes to them as he wrote to first it, as he wrote in First Thessalonians and he wrote in the book of Philippians to encourage other believers as they struggled, as they faced their most difficult times and the most difficult temptations. And he writes this, and in verse 3, he references to us a unique name for God. He says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort the God of all comfort. Much like James says, every good gift and every perfect gift come from, from above, from the, the Father of lights, 
So is, is he saying here, as, as a pastor has said many times before, the word all means all. God is the source of our comfort, all of our comfort, in every difficulty that we face. And as he continues, he says, God, who comforteth us in all our tribulation. And so we know that no matter what we face in this life, no matter what comes against us, it is our God who is with us. He is by our side. And Paul says here in verse 8 and in verse 9, he says, we had a sentence of death in ourselves. The word sentence there is a verdict, as if a doctor were to take your pulse and say, he's dead. He said, we had a sentence of death on us. We did not expect to live. And knowing that we could not save ourselves, we could not trust in our own strength, in our own health, or in anything else, we could trust in our God to deliver us. And he says he did deliver us from such a great death. And is that not the story for each of us? That God has delivered us from such a great death, that death that separates us from him for eternity, and that before we were saved, the wrath of God abided on us, like Christ told Nicodemus, and that we were enemies of God, Paul writes in Romans 5, and yet that first verse in Romans 5, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ, our Savior. God has delivered us in our salvation, but I'm sure you can think of time and again where God has delivered you from circumstances that you could not control. Whether it is great sorrow or great pain, we each have stories of God's amazing comfort in our time of need. But he continues in saying, not only has God delivered us in the past, but God is working right now. He does deliver, he says, with this confidence that God is not one who has helped us here and then now is gone. No, God is near to each of us. And that no matter, again, what we face in this world, the persecution, but even the temptations we face, as he writes to the Corinthians in the, in the first letter we have here in, in the word of God, he says, there's no temptation taking you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful and that he will not let you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation always provide a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And God is with us and he is on our side and no matter what we come across, he is there with us, a present help. And this completely dismantles the myth, the lie that we often tell ourselves, that Satan tells us that we are alone, that we have been abandoned, and that no one else can understand what we are dealing with. But God understands, and he's not going to leave us to face these things on our own. But just as God has delivered us in the past, and we know that he is with us right now, we can trust that he will deliver us in the future. And I think that was the hope that Paul spoke of in Romans chapter 5, and I, I kind of feel like pastor stopped right at the end of Romans 4 so that I could reference Romans 5 today. But if you would turn there just momentarily with me. Romans 5 is one of my favorite chapters of Scripture. Here in verse 3, Paul writes about, again, salvation and what we have in Christ. And he says, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, in verse 3. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Paul writes and says, we know this, that in tribulation, we learn something. 
we, we have patience. We learn patience. Patience specifically in waiting on God because he has a plan for our lives. And though we don't always see what's going on, as, as Dr. Forrester said, Paul was headed to Jerusalem. He didn't know what he was going to face. The only certainty that he had in the spirit was that he was going to face difficulty. We don't always know the future, but that's why we trust a God who knows the future. We, we, we trust a God who is in control. And so we learn patience. And it is this patience, this waiting in the Lord, that then develops experience within us. We gain a first-hand account of what God is doing in our lives. We learn that God is not someone that we're told to trust. He is someone that we truly can because he brings the comfort that we cannot know otherwise, even when there is no realization of, of an end in our suffering. But he is the one that delivers us as well. And I think Paul even recognized that death itself can be a deliverance. He says in, in Philippians 1, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Whatever I face in this life, I'm going to do what God has called me to do. And he will deliver me, even if it means in the end I get to be with him. And so he says we learn patience. And through that patience, we gain a firsthand experience of God's love and God's faithfulness, God's deliverance. And it is that experience that gives us hope. It's that experience that then tells us we can trust God with the future. We can trust him with the things we cannot see, with the things that we cannot resolve, with the pain we cannot endure. We can trust God. But trusting in him is not only for us. Back in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, if you look again with me, I'd like to encourage all of you not only with this truth that God is our God of all comfort, who delivers us in our trials and tribulations, but he is the God who enables us to be the people of comfort. If you look in verse 4, speaking of God, he says, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. He goes on in the following verses to continue this thought, that it is our experience, in fact, it is even our suffering, he'll say, that others are encouraged to endure suffering. And it, it is in the comfort that we have received that we can then comfort others. But how often, again, does that lie slip into our mind that no one else understands and that no one else cares what I've endured? And I truly believe that it's Satan trying to divide us and to isolate us from each other because there is so much to be learned, not just from teachers and pastors, but from the people in this church. You have experiences that I do not have. You have experienced comfort that I have not experienced. You have endured and been delivered from temptation and tribulation that I have not experienced. And the same for me. And it is together that we are able to help each other, to comfort each other. We become vessels of comfort, of God's comfort. In that whether or not we truly find that deliverance now in this life, we find the consolation that, that Paul talks about in verse 6. We are promised suffering. And Christ even said that in this world you will suffer tribulation. But be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. With the same promise that says we will suffer, he says, I am with you. And I have the power to bring you through. So my simple encouragement to you is to remember our God of comfort, that you are not alone, 
that God is always with you and that he's given you other believers here who he wants to use to help you. May we be open to share our difficulties and our prayer requests with each other, not only to the Lord who asks us to cast our care upon him. And may we also be the ones who are willing to share our own experience to then encourage those who are still in tribulation right now. I think of the church in, in Canada that we've, we've talked about much. They are enduring much persecution right now. And what can we do as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage them? What, what comfort have we experienced that we can now share with them? And what comfort can we share with those that are in this very room? Again, I hope that you would take to heart the challenges that these two pastors have given to me. And again, both Dr. Forrester and Dr. Creed have invested so much in my life. And I seek to study the word and to teach it accurately and to keep my heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And I challenge you to do the same. But with this, whatever you face, never forget that you are not alone. And that when you have received the comfort of God, in whatever tribulation you are facing, I pray that you would open yourself up to share that comfort with those around you. Would you pray with me? Dear Lord, I thank you so much for your deliverance, your ultimate deliverance from our own sin, and that we were enemies with you, and yet you gave everything so that we could have a relationship with you. And Lord, in everything, every tribulation that we have faced, every tribulation you have brought us out of, I pray that you would instill in us this confidence that we can trust you with everything, no matter what we face in this life. And with that confidence, may we share it with those around us, that we become vessels of your comfort to be used in whatever way you desire. In Jesus' name, amen.